around God's people. And, and in this, the hope is to starve them out. And that intent is to get them to lose all hope. But often, they're not as surrounded as they think they are. There's some lepers outside of the camp. We're not allowed to be in there. And we're going to die if we stay here. Come on. So let's just go see what this opposition's all about. Let's just see for ourselves how bad the situation really is. Can I tell somebody, you're all bound up by something that you think is happening, but it's not. They thought they were surrounded, but God already brought a victory. They just hadn't seen it yet. Oh, hallelujah. I wish somebody get the faith of a leper that says, I'll go check it out for myself. And when I see, I'll bring back the good news that we are victorious. We are champions. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. Oh, hallelujah. While we thought we were surrounded by the enemy, God was surrounding our enemy. God was bringing victory. Somebody lift up your voice for just a moment. Come on, somebody pray. Come on, whatever you're facing, I want you to know, devil, you got to back up. you got to let go because there's a God that's surrounding, uh, amen, my enemy, and that means there's a God that's surrounding me. Oh, somebody praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. One more time, clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He's bringing the podium up to the front. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn around and high-five somebody. Say, God's good. Amen. God's good. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to turn open our Bibles here in a moment. But first, sisterhood, you don't have to play no more. You can step down off that platform. Tomorrow is Sisterhood's birthday. And I did the very thing she doesn't like. I'm going to embarrass her. Um, but that's what I can do. I'm, I'm her husband, so amen. And I, I don't mind the couch once in a while. Hallelujah. But... I want to say happy birthday to my wife. Now, let me just tell you, a year ago we came and took the church here, but I promise you, without this little lady right here, I would never have been able to do half or a quarter of what we have been able to do. She stood firm, amen, endured all sorts of criticisms, and remained a Christian, and is a great a great pastor's wife, a great music director, ladies director, wearing a billion hats. Amen. And ultimately, she's a great wife and a great Christian, and we just want to say happy birthday to you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, hopefully, I teach good enough she forgets what I just did. So let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Amen. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord here this afternoon, this night. Amen. And we're going to continue on 
in our teaching, Acts 2 and 42. If you don't have your Bibles, we got it right up there on the screen for you. Acts 2, 42, the Bible says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayers. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And what I want to teach to us tonight is I want to talk about fellowship. I want to talk about fellowship. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray that God would help us here tonight. Come on, lift up your voice and let's pray that God would give us a word, that God would teach us, that God would implant something in our minds and in our hearts here today. Lord, we're giving you glory and honor and praise, Jesus. Hallelujah. Pray that you would deposit this in our spirits and God manifest it as a reality in our lives. Amen. And as a church, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell them God bless you and you may be seated. Hallelujah. Fellowship. We have spent a majority of the year talking about doctrine. And in this next little while, we're going to spend our time talking about culture. Um, there are a lot of different avenues that we're going to go down, and we might spend a little more time on each of them. Um, and, and, and we had the opportunity, Elder Johnson taught, on hospitality. Amen. And that all is going to go down hand in hand. And, and a lot of what we are uh, teaching and, and, and saying is not just so we can say, well, we went to church and we, we heard some scriptures. Um, but ultimately, everything that is being taught is meant to be applied. And so, uh, I, and I know how it is. I've, I've been saved long enough to know that sometimes you come to church and you feel. But let's be real. There's times where it can't really be applied. You feel it. You don't know how to explain it, how to express it, or how to apply it. But when it comes to what we are teaching uh, we want to make sure every little bit of this is applied because without application, teaching becomes void. It, it doesn't really accomplish that what it's it sent out to do. But how many knows God word, all, God's word always fulfills and accomplishes what it's set out to do? Amen. And, 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 and I want to put a reminder there that everything we are talking about teaching, there is an end result we're looking for. There is an end goal. That the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And, 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 and to what church did God add daily to? It was the church that had these doctrines. It was the church that had this culture. It was the church that had these principles. There were a lot of things that were enacted. It was a church that had this power. And we're going to go through a lot of these over uh, the next next while. It might take us years. Who knows? But uh, And if we ever get to the end, maybe we'll turn around and do it again. I don't know. But in this, these cultures and these ideologies, these were unique to the church itself. In their, in their day and in their time, this concept of fellowship was mind-boggling. And, and, and it wasn't so much mind-boggling to the Jew because the Jew had feasts and celebrations. And uh, even Pentecost, where the Holy Ghost was, for, was poured out, that was a celebration. I mean, it was a feast. It was an enjoyable time. People traveled from all over the world, amen, to be a part of this celebration. But when you take this gospel 
outside of the, the, the Judeo ideology, it became absolutely wild because there were other places and other peoples, the Greeks and the Romans and so on and so forth, that had parties. But this idea of fellowship just started blowing people's minds. Fellowship in the Greek is the word koinonia. And the essential meaning of the, the fellowship or the koinonia embraces concepts such as community. It goes beyond just a party. Communion. Joint participation. Sharing. And it even leans upon the word intimacy. To know very well. To know better than anyone else. A powerful example of what true biblical uh, koinonia or fellowship should look like can be found if we just look towards the Bible and begin to look at how we are to interact with one another. The Scripture commands us in Romans 12 and 10 that we are to be devoted to one another. The Bible says in Romans 12 and 10 also that we are to honor one another. The Bible says we are to live in harmony with one another, to accept one another, to serve one another in love, to be kind and compassionate to one another, to admonish one another, to encourage one another. I'm preaching real good right now. The Bible's just doing all the work. To spur one another towards love and good works or good deeds. To offer hospitality one to another. To love one another. This is what biblical fellowship should ultimately produce and what it should look like. But fellowship is something that can only happen when we come together. And in the next few weeks, I will talk about unity. Amen. But if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. The Bible says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. There's that word together. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as we see the day approaching. What day? The day that Jesus Christ is coming back. Amen. And what he is saying is that we've got to consider one another. And, and the Bible, Paul would tell us that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, proud, boasters, amen, haters of God. There's a culture in our world that is absolutely diametrically opposed to the church. And it's not going, and I'm not a doomsday person, but it's not going to get any better. Amen. We're not looking for the next politician to make everything better. We're not looking towards the next elected official to go ahead and fix things. It's not going to get fixed by them. Amen. But there is a church that is going to continue to grow and get better. And when the world gets worse and worse and worse, we are not going to be more selfish. In fact, we're going to become more selfless. We're not going to be covetous. We're going to be giving, loving. We're going to consider one another. We aren't going to let others go down the slippery slope of the world. Amen. We are going to provoke one another to good works. We're going to encourage one another to continue in the faith that was first delivered unto us. 
But then he begins to talk about this concept of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. What is that? That's the koinonia. That's the fellowship. That's the assembly. That is, amen, not just relegated to Sunday and Wednesday church. In fact, I want to tell this, and I want to say this very plainly. We can't have enough church services in the world. Amen. There's, there's just no way. We could have 15 in one day. Amen. And it still would not be enough. And, and ultimately, there is an understanding that, that we, we cannot do that because ultimately, if we were to always gather in this building, we would become nothing more than religious people. We would look towards the temple for our answer. And, and, and healing would only happen in the temple. Deliverance would only happen in the temple. But God's church was meant to gather. Amen. They, they came together in the temple, but they also went house to house. Amen. And that's the kind of church that the Lord adds daily such as should be saved. When we gather together so much the more, amen, when you gather or you fellowship one with another, amen, there, there, there is an opportunity to gather and to reach to your world, amen, and, and to not just be cloistered as, as, as some Amish would be, and no offense to the Amish, but we are able to go out and about in the world, but yet we do not lose our fellowship. We do not lose our love for one another. We do not lose, amen, our, our provoking of one another to good works, amen. We are consistently in fellowship, amen. And so the Bible is telling us not to forsake the assembly, the koinonia of ourselves together, the gathering together of ourselves as the manner of some is. And if it was that way in Paul's day and in the apostles' day, you better believe it's going to be that way in our day as well. There is what I would call a, a, a counter custom in the world and even creeping into the church that says, I can, I can do this all by myself. Can I help you here today? God never intended for anybody to do this by themselves. Hallelujah. There's some people that think there's strength by themselves, but we know that's just not true where a two-fold cord is not easily broken. Amen. That two are better than one. If, if one is cold, then they can have warmth. There is something that happens when people gather together. He said, if two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. If two agree as touching anything that they shall ask on earth, I shall do it for them. Can I tell you, when we gather together in fellowship, when we find this, this unifying position, there is something spiritual that begins to happen. There is strength that is given. There is help that is, I want to tell somebody that this isn't just going together and grabbing a cheeseburger, but there's something that happens in that moment that it might just seem natural, but I want to tell you it's supernatural. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. But I, I know some people like this. Well, I can do this all by myself. I don't need anybody else. Uh, that, or, or there's even this case. I don't like anybody else. <laughs> Nobody said that these people gathering together liked each other. There's a lot, a lot of weird animals on the ark. Not all of them get together, amen, and like each other. But they're all on the ark being saved. Amen. Can I tell you, you got, you got in the ARC, you got in the ark, and there might be some stinky animals that you don't always like, but can I tell you, we're all on our way to see Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. And let me just say this for a moment. For those that say, well, I don't like, I don't like the church because there's clicks. Get over it. <laughs> I'll say that again. Get over it. There's clicks in everywhere. It's human. 
You know why? Because you have preferences and so do I. You like certain things and I don't. That's the way it is. And on that ark, there were, there were sheep and there were goats. There were lions. And those lambs never forgot what those lions did before they got on the ark. So they just kind of distanced themselves. I'm not saying it's right. But, but you just got to be thankful for who you are and what God has made you. Amen. You may not you may not gather over into this other group. That's okay. And, and, and don't be offended if that person doesn't come into your group. Amen. Don't be offended if you don't get invited. You've got people that you're going to be able to affect. Hallelujah. Let me put it this way. If you're a dove, be a dove and fly higher than everybody else. Hallelujah. And so there's a lot of things that go into this gathering together, assembling together. And some people have the custom and the manner of not gathering together, not fellowshipping, not 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 interacting with anybody I want to tell you that there is never an excuse to avoid everybody amen there is never an excuse amen to say well I don't need anybody else I can do this all by myself amen I understand that there's preferences people have and and but sometimes you will have to break down those preferences amen uh, because that is the human nature but the Holy Ghost helps us over and counteract our human nature amen and so we cannot allow ourselves to get this custom. Why? Because that's the world's custom. The world's custom is says, I don't like you. I'm not going to get around you. Now, I understand that that's, like I said, that's a fact of life. We can argue about it. We can cry about it. We can complain about it. Or we can just accept it. That person may not want to come over to your house. That person may not want to like you. Well, guess what? There's about 7, 8 billion people on the earth. Go find somebody else. And bring them into the kingdom. And work with them and love them. But whatever we do, let's not have the custom that distance our, distances ourselves and separates ourselves from everybody else. Amen. Fellowship is something that requires face-to-face -face interaction. I want to tell you, it's face-to-face, -face, not Facebook-to-Facebook. -Facebook. Ah, hallelujah. It's not texting fellowship. Well, we just, we have fellowship on our phones. I know this. This is, this is how people some get people get together. They get together, and all they can do is sit on their phone. I'm texting them. Well, you're letting everybody else know in the room that they're not important. I understand. There's moments you get texts and things you have to answer. Uh, but but I know there's some marriages they do this, and it's like they won't even talk to their spouse, and they'll just text them. They're in the same room. Some spouses lay in the same bed, and they're just texting one another. That's not fellowship. That's not intimacy. That's not, oh, I'm teaching real good right now. Hallelujah. And so this, this, is, this, is, this is the culture of our world, that I, they think that they have X amount of people that follow them on Facebook, therefore they have this many friends. I want you to know very plainly, if they're your friend on Facebook, that does not guarantee they're your friend in life. I know that this is a different culture. I have people that, that send me friend requests. I don't even get on there half the time, but when I do, I, I'll, I'll accept it, and they'll say, thank you for being my friend. I'm going to be real with you. I'm not your friend. I'm just on this social media platform, and you happen to, you know, I, I might not ever like one of your posts, and don't get offended. I'm really not meaning anything by it. Amen. It doesn't mean we're not friends or we're not in connectivity because I don't judge connectivity based on social media or on a forum or on a Facebook page or on a, oh, hallelujah. And I want to tell you, this is not just a problem for the younger generation. In fact, I will say this, it's less of a problem. Studies have shown it's people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s that have a problem with social media. Ooh, I'll bring some numbers for you next time. But it's because it's, it's a novelty. 
they've never seen that, never experienced that. And so it's new and they've got to interact with it. But there's a whole generation that was born with a cell phone in their hand. And it's not a novelty to them. And so there's they can they can almost they can click it off and disconnect and it doesn't really matter and they understand that where I have a thousand friends on Instagram or Facebook but they're not really my friends and and they'll still go and hang out with their buddies at the mall uh, but there's others that cannot get past this they've got to get on a forum they've got to get on Instagram they got to get on Facebook and and they got to start texting everybody or or going on this page of of this uh, we agree on this we both we all like you know fictional dragon dragon pictures so we're on this forum together and we're talking about it and what they're really looking for is fellowship. What they're really looking for is acceptance. What they're really looking for is connectivity. But I want to tell you, that's not going to come from any of that. Because koinonia, fellowship, is something that happens on a face-to-face interaction. Amen. It's not FaceTime to FaceTime. It's not Facebook to Facebook. It's not instant message to instant message. It's not text message. I'm just setting some things straight. Amen. That when you are when you are thinking that your joy and your satisfaction comes from a forum or from a Facebook page or a social media account, and, and if, if they don't like your post or they don't comment, you don't have any friends and nobody loves you, I want to set it straight. Amen. That that's not where you get your fellowship from. You get your fellowship when you connect with your brother and sister. Come on, you get your fellowship when you come to the house of God. That's one of the most beautiful, powerful things about coming to church is you get to sit next to somebody that's human just like you. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. I'm telling you, this is creeping into the church. It's already They already got issues in schools, and they already got issues everywhere else, and, and, and it's creeping its way into the church where now people can't have social interactions one with another. We're so inundated with this, this technology. You know, there's charismatic churches that are doing, uh, doing this idea where now they don't even, now they just have people show up to the building. They have a big screen where the preacher preaches from 10,000 miles away. Okay, yeah, we can do that if y'all want. I mean, I'll just sit at home and I'll just, I'll just wear my tie on my suit and I'll just be wearing my pajamas down here. And we can do that if you want. That's great. I'd, I'd be fine with that. I'll just go chill in the mountains of Tahoe. But, uh, but, but really, that they're thinking that this is how we're going to reach the masses. That is not how we're going to reach the masses. That has never worked, amen, to really make people disciples and make people Christians. What it takes is getting together. What it takes is fellowship, amen. Hallelujah. And so fellowship requires a it requires a personal touch. It requires face-to-face, amen. Uh, I'm not a huge fan, and, and, and I'll tell you this uh, straight up, I'm not a huge fan of shaking hands. I know I'm just going to hurt somebody's feelings. I'm not a huge fan of it, uh, but I do it anyways. Uh, but I will tell you, when uh, flu season comes up here in a month, we're going we're gonna to switch to the pound it. Hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. Somebody help me out here. And don't be offended if they didn't give you a handshake and sniffle on your cheek and no, none of that. You just, you just, hey, good to see you. It's flu season right now. God bless you. But, but there's also something about when people are here in the altars, amen, you know, churches have gotten away from altar calls. They've gotten all away from that personal interaction and that personal contact. Amen. When we come to the altar, amen, we're, we're not just doing this, amen, to, 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 fulfill some old-time religion when we come there's something about that personal contact that when your brother's struggling you don't even know they're struggling you just come up right behind them and you put your hand on their shoulder and you start praying together amen there's people that are longing for that they, they spend their whole life on facebook and then they come to the house of god and, and though at first it might be a little uncomfortable i promise you they're looking for that koinonia they're looking for that fellowship they're looking for that personal touch they're looking for that moment where they can they can get a hold of somebody that's human just like them and so they're, 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 this whole idea of 
of shaking hands at church and stuff like that. We do that, and often we do that. We have our ushers do that. Thank you very much, Brother Machado and all the ushers that help. Uh, we shake people's hands when they walk in the door. When visitors walk in the door, amen, shake their hand. You don't have to give them a big old bear hug. Hallelujah. You don't have to give them a back rub or a belly rub. Just shake their hand and say, God bless you. If they're not comfortable with it, they'll, they'll, they'll let you know. There's some people in the church that are not comfortable shaking hands. That's okay. That's fine. Let them do what they're going to do. Give a fist bump. Say hello. Wave at them. Whatever you got to do. But what are we trying to do? We're trying to create that, that interaction where it's humanity connecting with humanity. Amen. Uh, they're having issues in Japan right now because of the technological advancements. Um, their population is absolutely plummeting. And uh, they're trying to figure out what the issue is. And what is happening is now uh, they have this, they have virtual reality. And so they have the ability of having uh, a, a, a girlfriend without having a real girlfriend. And they can marry their, they can marry their, their, uh, their virtual girlfriend. And, uh, and this, is, this sounds crazy, but, but America's following right behind. And, and what Japan is doing is they're trying to do studies, and they're trying to warn the rest of the world of what is coming, that, that what's happening is people are they're now working so much, and they've got so much on their plates, and they've got so much going on, and they spend all their time on whatever platform they're on, and they don't ever have time for interaction. So, so in Japan, they don't have time uh, for, for, to get married. They don't have time to raise kids. They don't have time for any of that. And so it's actually causing their entire uh, their entire country to start to collapse and they're starting to warn the other countries that this is coming and and what is happening they're losing that human connection and you know who the answer is to that it's the church Man, the church that we might have changed the songs we sing and we might have changed where we have church we may have a steeple we may not have a steeple but if there's one thing the church has never changed we have human interaction Hallelujah. We have human interaction. And this is where I'm going to put a plug as a pastor. When we come to church, turn your phone off. It's not time to be on social media. Turn your phone off because you never know who you're going to interact with. Amen. When you go out with somebody to eat, turn your phone off. We used to do this when I was a youth pastor. We'd stack cell phones. We call it the Tower of Babel. And we'd stack it. Now, there's another thing. If, if one rang and you grabbed for it, you had to pay for the whole meal. But that's, we should interact that. How about that? Hey, that'd be great. But what we are trying to produce is we're trying to produce something our world is lacking. Fellowship. Human interaction. They've got enough social interaction on the line. They've got enough, they've got enough likes. and They've got enough emojis. They don't need that. They need somebody to smile at them. That waitress needs to see your smiling face. Good to see you. Amen. And so we've got to keep that. We might change all sorts of things. Amen. We'll never change our doctrine. If we never change anything else, we cannot change our human interaction, our fellowship. 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 3. The Bible says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare, declare we unto you, speaking of Jesus and his gospel. That you may, you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And what he's saying there is he's saying that we have received this gospel. We have received it. But we are now coming in contact with you. We are now fellowshipping with you. Our fellowship with you is to, to bring you into fellowship with God Almighty. 
And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This is why some people are so miserable. Because they spend all their lives online, have no interaction with anybody else, and subsequently they have no interaction with God. Amen. And he said that I write this, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him. And we declare unto you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, we have koinonia with God, and we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship, koinonia, one with another, and guess what happens? The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. What is being presented here is he's saying that we, have, we are bringing you into our fellowship and we are bringing you into fellowship with God. But what he is telling us is he's warning us to not, he said, God is light and in him there is no darkness. And in this concept of fellowship or those that are in fellowship, he's saying that if you say you have fellowship with God and yet you walk contrary to God, you are lying to yourself and to others. Amen. But there's always a positive. Amen. And I want to put this forth. That doesn't mean you don't struggle. That doesn't mean you don't have troubles. We don't all, everybody makes mistakes, okay? I want that to be very, very, very clear. Everybody makes mistakes. And if you think you haven't, uh, please show me your halo after church and we'll move from there. Hallelujah. And we'll put you up here and you'll talk to us for the rest of the year. Amen. But in this, there is something being presented there that if we are not walking according to what God has shown us, into what his truth is, then we are ultimately lying to ourselves if we are blatantly telling everybody, this is what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is telling everybody they're perfect and they're not. They're telling everybody what to do, but they themselves are not doing it. You are not a hypocrite if you are trying. Oh, hallelujah. You are not a hypocrite if you are true, doing your best and you are trying. You know what you are? You're a Christian. Welcome to the club. We're all trying. Hallelujah. But, but he's letting us know that if we walk in the light, not just how we think, how we feel, what we think is best, as he is in the light, we are striving, we are walking in his truth, amen, then what happens is a direct result of our communion, our fellowship with him. This is what Adam had in the garden. He walked with God in the cool of, day, of the day. He had a fellowship, a connection with God in the cool of the day. But mankind chose to walk contrary to what God had, de- God had put before him. And man chose, amen, a, a, a life without the fellowship of God. And what happened when Jesus Christ came is he brought us, he reconciled us back to himself. He bridged the gap, amen, of our sins and our failures with his own blood on that cross. Amen. Is everybody thankful for that? And he brings us into right relationship with him. And if we have right relationship with him, guess what? If we have fellowship with him, if we're walking in the light, if we're walking in the truth, there is something that becomes comes out of that as a direct result of that, that we start having koinonia and fellowship one with another. I, can, I don't always judge whether somebody got, uh, whether somebody prayed back through based on how, how good they shouted on Sunday. 
I don't always judge how good a service is based on how, how, how great the music was or how well I thought I preached or did not preach because that's usually the case. Amen. I don't always judge a service based on that, but I judge a service based on what happens when I set down the mic and the prayer is done. What happens and where do people go? When people scramble out the door, I start to worry. I probably didn't present the gospel properly. I might have messed up. Or maybe people are just busy that day. That happens too. But I, I start to think to myself, what I, I often will judge a service not based on all these other external things. And those, those are awesome and we love them. I, I want to know that if, 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 if all of a sudden people have turned and they start walking in that light, uh, I want to know if all of a sudden they start fellowship with people maybe they didn't have agreements with earlier. Amen. They had some disagreements with it. All of a sudden they start forgiving one another even though uh, that person doesn't deserve it. And they start letting go of bitterness and they start letting go of other things. They let go of their opinion and the way things should be. And, and I, that's how often we judge uh, whether a service was successful because if we turn and we start walking in the light as he is in the light, we start having fellowship, koinonia, one with another. Amen. Your, your conversion is not just have you been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. All of that is absolute. But have you been brought into right relationship with God? You're vertical. And have you been brought into right relationship with your brother and sister, your horizontal? I know there's people, we've read this verse when we're talking about brotherly love. Those that say they love God and hate their brother, the Bible says they are liars. Amen. God never intended for us to say we love him. That's religion. I go to church and I love him, but I step on everybody else. That's not the will of God. The will of God is for us to receive the grace of God and start sharing it with everybody else. Get in fellowship with God and think, this is wonderful. Everybody needs this. And we start getting in fellowship with our brothers. And we start getting in fellowship. We start bringing people from the world. Amen. Because we want everybody to experience this connectivity. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. <laughs> Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. Man. Continuing on with that thought. The Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness. Uh, he's saying, don't, 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 you're not to mix the church. And I'm going to explain that here in a minute. And what communion has light with darkness, what concord has Christ with Belial or the devil? These are all rhetorical questions. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living, of, living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause, and I'm going to come back to that next verse, because I want to explain this. There's some people that have gotten the wrong interpretation of this. They've, they've taken this as we are supposed to be so spotless and perfect that we should never talk to anybody in the world. That is not what that's saying. He's basically saying that, that the church should not be, it should, the church itself, speaking of those that are saved, should not be both righteous and unrighteous, light and darkness, Christ and the devil. Some of us, I, I, maybe we got hit right there. Uh, if we're to be Christians, we're to be Christians. We are to be what we are. And, and in that, uh, we, are, we are not to start pulling these ideologies, amen, into the church. And what I mean by that is the church's job is to influence the world and affect the world, not the opposite way of around. And so... 
Amen. Yes. We are to be the influence, not, not the world influence us. When you yoke together two oxen, you are causing them to plow the same field. Amen. And, and, and God has never called the church and the world to work hand in hand together in the salvation of mankind. They are diametrically opposed. The world is not looking to save your family. Hallelujah. The devil is not looking to save your family. Don't link up with him. Amen. Uh, unrighteousness is not looking to save your family. Darkness is not looking to save your family. Bitterness is not looking to save your family. Disconnect from that. Amen. And then we continue on. The Bible says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and you will be, I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I fear that we've taken that so far to the extreme that the church is no longer the church. Uh, we are afraid that the world somehow is going to make us dirty. Amen. I want to tell you, you're not going to make soap dirty. Soap's going to make you clean. Hallelujah. Amen. When somebody has, when somebody's a believer, they lay hands on the sick and they recover. Amen. The, those that are believers don't get sick. Hallelujah. This, this does. We make the world better. Amen. It doesn't make us worse. Hallelujah. When the church has made a definitive, we will be light, not darkness. We will be Christ and not Belial. We will be righteous and not unrighteous. We will, we will be the temple of God and we will not be given over to idolatry. Amen. That church can touch a hurting and broken world and bring healing. I wish somebody would shout right now. Hallelujah. I'm not worried about the church being lost to the world. I'm worried about the church getting lost in the church. Amen. And staying within the four walls, that was never our purpose. Our purpose was to be out there. We are the fellowship of God. And we are the, we are the ambassadors of, re, of reconciliation. Amen. We've been given the Bible says the ministry of reconciliation, which means because I have been reconciled to Christ, that he has bridged that gap from my, from my sinful, messed up condition, and he has brought me into right relationship with him. And I walk over the blood of Jesus all the way to that right relationship. I can go and I can grab somebody else from the world. And I can say, let me show you, amen, a place called Calvary. Let me show you a man by the name of Jesus Christ uh, who died for your sins. And I can start bringing people and helping them, amen, get to that gap that was bridged by Jesus Christ, amen. The church's job is not to stay in the building in the four walls. It's to go outside the four walls and bring them in. Oh, somebody shout and give God praise for just a moment. Oh, somebody just for one moment shout, that's my job, hallelujah. We, we cannot separate the apostles doctrine and fellowship amen we've got to walk in we've got to walk in truth we've got to walk in the light but we've also got to walk in fellowship with god and with our brother amen uh, matthew chapter 24 verse 12 i only have a few more verses here tonight and we will be done i won't go for an hour and, and a half two hours we'll save that for another time amen matthew 24 and 12 i want to start by prefacing all the verses i'm about to read uh, that fellowship is a privilege and not a right. Hallelujah. The fellowship that God brings is a privilege and not a right. Amen. It is not something that 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 you can just do whatever you want and still have. Okay. Uh, that is that is that is supposed to be one of our most drawing factors in the world that we live in. 
is that we have this koinonia. We have this fellowship. We have this human interaction. We have this spiritual connection, amen, with brothers and sisters. But it is a privilege. It is a privilege that is exclusive to God's people and to God's church. Amen. So that's why we got to bring them to the church. Amen. But I'm going to talk about this from the standpoint of those that are brothers or sisters or those that are in the church. We're going to look at what the Bible has to say with, with, with this fellowship that is a privilege and not a right. The Bible prophesies in Matthew 24 and 12 that because of iniquity, that's going to abound in the end times. The love of many is going to wax cold. There will be that day that we talked about that people will be lovers of their own selves. Amen. The Bible continues on to say, but they that he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Endures in what? Endures in fellowship, endures in love, doesn't allow iniquity and doesn't allow mistakes and doesn't allow everybody else to, to dissuade him and convince him to go another way. Iniquity and sin in this world and in this present world is dissolving our love for one another. Amen. It is not God that brings division amongst brethren. Amen. It is iniquity. It is sin. It is pride. It is self-will. It is humanity. Amen. That drives a wedge there. But the church has got to stand as a beacon of hope and light that we will continue in love. We will endure in love. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 6. We're going to go through a few, uh, a few things. We'll talk about these uh, for just a moment. Second Thessalonians 3 and 6. Paul is writing, he says, Now I command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourself from every, I want you to notice this, every brother, you can put sister in there too, that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Paul is saying, when I started the church, when I came to the church, I showed you how to act. I showed you how to live. I presented you with the doctrine, with the gospel, and the traditions that were of us. And that's how you are to live. But now he's receiving reports that people are walking disorderly. Brothers, not talking about sinners. Well, I'm not worried about if, 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 if a sinner walks in the church and they don't know our customs. That's all right. That's, I don't expect the world to be the church. I expect the church to be the church. I got, I got no problem with somebody walking in with whiskey on their breath, and unless it's brother or sister so-and-so, I got some questions to ask. Hallelujah. But, but I, I, have no, I have no questions about the world being the world. Uh, but Paul is saying, I want to know if the brothers are still being the brothers. Amen. Second Thessalonians, we're going to skip down to verse number 10, 3 and 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, Neither should he eat. I don't read that any other way than the very literal. If anybody doesn't work, willingly, willingly, I'm going to put that out there, he should not eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, people that have too much time on their hands, but are busy bodies. There is too much preach here. I don't have time for it. Amen. Not helping, but hindering. Not working. Amen. But busybodies. They're not sharing the gospel, but they're gossiping. There is a lot that is happening here. And he's saying they're walking disorderly. They're not working. They're not helping. Uh, they are just takers. Amen. He said that they are busybodies. They're in everybody else's business because they don't have enough going on in their own lives. I don't know about you, but I got too many problems in my own life to get up in your business. 
Amen. We need busy bees, not busy bodies. Hallelujah. The Bible continues on to say, Now them that are such, you ready for what he's saying, we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work. So what's he saying? Fix it. They eat your own bread. Stop taking from everybody else. But ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing for you that are taking care of these kind of people. Don't be weary in well-doing. But let me give you instruction about these individuals. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man or that woman. And have no company with them that he may be ashamed. There is, there is something here. we got to do this in love. I, I, I want to put this very frankly. I'm teaching this. We're going to talk about unity and all these other things like community and going out to eat and all that stuff at another time. But I have to preface that fellowship is a privilege and not a right. Amen. If somebody is, the, the Bible continues to break this down. He says that those that are lazy, intentionally unemployed, they're taking from everybody else, going by, uh, they're taking everybody's bread, they're, they're living off of everybody else, amen, this is somebody who's not trying to get better, amen, they don't want a hand up, they want a hand out, uh, he's, and we're talking about brothers, we're not talking about the world, I expect the world to come to the church with needs and all those things, and we're going to do our best, but we're talking about those that are in the koinonia, those that are in the church, those that are in the fellowship, amen, those that just want to sit around, lay around all day and talk about how spiritual they are, okay, uh, but they get up in everybody's business. They're busybodies. They're gossips. They only have a negative thing to say. Well, I don't like this, and I don't like that. Well, welcome to the club. There's a lot of things people don't like. Amen. But in this, he's saying those that are disorderly, those that cause division through gossip, they are meddling in other people's business. Amen. I think as a church, we ought to say that your business is your business. My business is my business. I'll stay out of yours. You stay out of mine. Unless you want pray, I, prayer, I'll pray for you. Please pray for me. Hallelujah. Everybody's got struggles. Amen. You ought to just deal with your own. Amen. And pray for your brother. Pray for your sister. But don't get involved in theirs and make things worse. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Here's another one. Those that are deliberately divisive over the traditions of the church. I'm going to pause right here for a moment. There are things that we do in church that are traditions. They are historic. We will define in the next little while what a tradition is and what a doctrine is. Amen. We will talk about that. But but there are things that have been passed down from previous generations that are not, they're not sinful, they're not wrong, amen. They are not taking us away from God, amen. There's, there's nothing wrong with traditions, amen. Even Jesus said that, that you're, he didn't have a problem with the traditions of the Pharisees. What he had a problem with was, was when the traditions of the Pharisees hindered them in obeying the word of God. We can have traditions, we can have customs in the church as long as it brings us closer to God in fellowship and brings us closer to one another in fellowship but i want to say this very publicly over the pulpit amen that if you've got issues amen and debates about what we believe around here in general as whether it's a doctrine or tradition i want you to come see me personally and we'll talk about it but if you're going around telling everybody what you don't agree with you are being divisive and there are seven things in the book of Proverbs. The Bible says that God hates. They are an abomination. And one is those that sow discord among the brethren. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. I was waiting for somebody to shout on that one, but I guess, no, I'm kidding. If there are people that you know are publicly or privately being divisive 
against brothers, sisters, leaders, whether it's me, anybody else, you tell them, go talk to that person. If you've got a problem with somebody, go tell them. We're going to talk about that probably next week and when we talk about restoring fellowship. Amen. But, but, but if you are intending to be divisive, and there are people that will leave this church, some that have left this church, that will call people and be divisive, you've got to mark them, the Bible says, and know what they are doing. They are not looking to bring you in fellowship with God and fellowship with brethren. They are looking to separate you from your brother and from your sister. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Well, my question is, did you pray for so-and-so? Often when we hear something through a third-party source, it's distorted. You ever play the game telephone? We got some, we got some folks that love the game telephone in church. Hallelujah. Just tell everybody. And before it gets over, it's distorted and it's completely out of whack. Amen. That's not the way of the church. That destroys fellowship. It doesn't help fellowship. Amen. That doesn't build the church. That destroys the church. And Paul is talking to a church he built. And he's saying there's things that are creeping into the church that are destroying what God is creating. And he's telling them, mark those individuals that are causing division. They're being divisive. And he specifically stated over traditions that he delivered unto them. And then he continues on to say, those that are disobedient. Amen. He says, you mark those people and have no company with them. Now, I'll define that, amen, probably in our next lesson. We'll talk about that, amen. There's, there's, there's times where you, you don't just cut people off. I, I want to make that very clear. You don't just cut them off. Uh, but, but there are moments, and I've seen my pastor have to do it, and I hope I never have to get up and do it. Amen. Where you, where he has had to publicly say, okay, this person right now, he is not listening to correction. We have tried to work with them, being divisive, X, Y, and Z. Uh, for, for the time being, don't talk to them. Let, they're, they're not coming to church here. They're not welcome here for right now until they're willing to repent and make things right with God and make things right with, with the church. That's very biblical. We'll talk about that next week. Amen. Uh, but... But there's very, very few times, amen, where my pastor's had to stand up to do that, and he's only done it in a church setting, and he's done it with church people. And, and, and I want to tell you, there's people, there's, there's a few things I've seen happen with that, and we'll talk more about this again, but I've got to just say it. I've seen this happen, and I thought to myself, that doesn't seem very Christian. And he pulled up some of the same scriptures we're talking about here today. Amen. And, and I, I saw it in the Bible, but I didn't think that that was going to be effective and that was going to work. I, saw, I thought, well, don't you think that's going to push people away? Uh, and, and come to find out those very people, amen, that, that the church was just like, you know what? For now, for the time being, we're going to let them be themselves, do their thing. Amen. They're not among us. They're not in our church. They want to they say whatever they want to say, do whatever they want to do. We're going to leave them over there. And the people that left them alone. I've seen those people come back to a place of repentance. But I've seen people get involved in this process and not agree with the Bible, not agree with the Apostle Paul nor my pastor. And they thought, well, I'm just going to fellowship with people that have negative things to say about the church, that have backslid, that have all sorts of sins and issues. I'm, I know this is probably not the funnest stuff to talk about. we got to talk about it. Amen. And, and we're talking about those that are, are considered brothers or sisters that have turned their back on the faith and turned their back on the church, and they've got nothing but divisive things to say. Amen. I've seen some people start meddling with that. And guess what? It never led that person back to the church. In fact, it took that other person out. Amen. We're, to, we're looking to restore fellowship, not destroy it. Amen. But again, fellowship is a privilege and not a right. We've got to be in right standing with God, and we've got to be in right standing with His church. Amen. First uh, Corinthians chapter five and nine, and uh, we're coming to a close. Man, I've got two more verses, two more passages. 
1 Corinthians 5 and 9, the Bible says, I wrote unto you in an epistle that you accompany or you, you not company with fornicators. And this is, again, we're not talking about, we're going to get this in a minute, uh, we're not talking about sinners. I'm talking about somebody who is in the faith, who is blatantly disrespecting and disregarding the word of God. Somebody say, I'm, uh, he's keeping us saved. Hallelujah. <laughs> Yet, uh, not altogether with the fornicators of this world. He's defining that. Or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters. For then must needs you go out of the world. If that was the case, we ought to just get raptured and get out of here. Right? He's not calling us to be Amish and go set up a commune. We're going to be in the world amongst people that have sins, have issues, have problems. That's not a problem. But what is Paul defining? But now I have written unto you that you not to keep company. If any man or woman is called a brother or a sister, be a fornicator. Okay, that's, that's somebody who's living in blatant fornication. Or covetous, living in blatant covetousness. Or an idolater. They are letting it be known. They are not struggling with anything. And, and uh, again, we'll talk about that next week. Or a railer. Somebody's got nothing but negative things to say about the church, the pastor, the songs, the this, the that. He's saying no. Those people. Or a drunkard. Or an extortioner. With such an one, no, not to eat. Everybody see that in the Bible. Anybody who's called a brother or a sister that is living in blatant sin, he's saying don't eat with them. Don't have fellowship with them. For what have I told you to do to judge them that are also with that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without God judges. Wherefore, this is your your job's not to judge the world right now. That's not our job. Well, they're sinners. Yeah, we kind of know that. It's talking about in the church, within. He's saying that within the church, therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Fellowship is a privilege. There is nothing like coming to church and worshiping with my brothers and sisters. I love it. Don't you love it? Isn't it awesome? Amen. It's awesome. But I want you to know that it is a privilege that God gives and it's exclusive to his church. There's people that think they can have their cake and eat it too. That they can have the church and the world. They can have the church and sin. And I'm not talking about people that have struggles. It's one thing, amen, to have struggles and to be open about it and be talking. And, man, if you have struggles, come see me. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you and help you. Amen. That's what I'm here for. I'm talking about people that, well, I don't need to do that. They're divisive. I don't need to listen to that. I can live however I want. He doesn't, no, you don't really need to do that. No, the Bible's archaic. You don't really know. We just, we're just going to live however we want, however we feel. Amen. Those are the kind of people the Bible's saying, don't eat with them. Don't fellowship with them. They don't, they don't, they're not respecting and honoring the holy fellowship we have as a church body. Amen. They're not respecting this. This I want to tell you that, that fellowship is right in line with doctrine in the eyes of God. It's a holy thing. I want you to know when you come to church and you lift up your hands and worship, it's not just because the song's good or you like the beat. I want you to know that you are worshiping with your brothers and sisters. This is fellowship. It's an intimate moment. Not everybody gets to experience this. They don't experience it at the bar. They don't experience it at the club. Amen. And, and, and I want you to know that people that walk out on God and walk out of the church, I don't want them to think, well, I can go and I can have that as well as all this other stuff and then end up splitting hell wide open. I'd rather them be out in the world and be in the world and think to themselves, I wish I could go back to Father's house. 
Amen. I want to tell you, the father never chased down the prodigal son. You know what he did? He sat on his porch praying for his son. Church, we want people to come back in the kingdom. We want people to come back into fellowship. But it's not going to happen when we go out there and say, okay, let me just give you a little fellowship. Uh, uh, tomorrow you're going to be at the bar, but let's just hang out on Tuesday, okay? Let's, let's have some fellowship. Let's have some koinonia. Amen. That's, uh, oh, oh, you're a little, little tight on money. Let me give you some money so you can keep drinking. And, you know, you're a brother, but don't worry. I'm going to help you out. If the father would have gone out into that far country, amen, he would have never thought, I need to go back to father's house. There's got to be something that people miss in father's house. It's that fellowship. It's that relationship. Hallelujah. Stand all across the building. Lift up our hands. Amen. Somebody pray all across the building. Let's lift up our hands. I know that this is uh, not always easy to teach, but it's right. Amen. I, I want I want the church to have the proper view of fellowship. Amen. There, we're going to talk about community. We're going to talk about eating. We're going to talk about all sorts of good things, but I have to put it straight. Uh, amen. That this fellowship we have in the church, it is the greatest privilege ever given to a mortal. Amen. That we can be in right relationship with God and right relationship with our brother. That we can feel what we feel every time we come to the house of God. Amen. I want, I want those that are prodigaling themselves. I want them to be begin to think to themselves that they're, while they're at the pig pen, while they're at the bar, while they're at the club, while they're on another one night stand, I want them to think about this church and say, I want to go back. I want to go back. I want to give them something that they can come back to. Hallelujah. Our job, our job is not to leave Father's house. Our job is to keep Father's house, Father's house. Our job is to keep the church, the church. Man, there's times, and I, I could talk about this another time. There's a sheep that wanders. You go after it. There's a coin under the couch. You got to look for it. But when that prodigal sin says, you're dead to me, I want the world, I want sin, the father says, I love you, son. Church says, I love you. We love you. We're praying for you. We let him go. But we sit on that rocking chair and we pray, God, bring him back into fellowship. God, they might be at the club right now, but God, let them know that there's nothing they can find at a club. There's nothing they can find at a sporting event. There's nothing they can find, amen, at a party. There's nothing There's nothing like being in the church. There's nothing like singing on the platform. There's nothing like worshiping, amen, amen, with the church. There's nothing like praying in the altar. Amen. God, help us to keep that atmosphere huh? so when they are missing it the most, they can come home to it. James 5 and 19. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him. He's talking about those that are still in the church. And you see somebody start slipping. Because we don't want for people to get all the way out there. No, no, no. We're not, I'm not waiting for them. I'm not waiting for my rocket chair. No. I'm going to start flipping over couches, looking for coins. And one convert him. Let him know that he which has converted the sinner. What sinner? The brother in the church that is starting to slip that he which has converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save his soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. When you see somebody slipping, I want to tell you what fellowship does. Come on, man. Come on, sis. You can make it. You can make it. It encourages. It compels. It says, come on, let's try one more time. And the Bible says you've converted that person from the area of their ways. You've saved the soul from death and you hide a multitude of sins. Galatians 6 and 1. Brethren, if a man or a woman be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness and humility, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. 
Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We want to perpetuate fellowship in the church. And sometimes that means we got to find people that are struggling, that are still in the building. we got to go and gather up alongside them, lift up their hands, pray with them. Church, would you lift up your hands and let's pray all across this building. Oh, what beautiful fellowship. What beautiful fellowship we have with God. What beautiful fellowship we have with His church. Somebody lift up your voice and let's pray. If you're thankful to be a part of the kingdom of God, lift up your voice and let's just talk to Him for a moment. Hallelujah. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? Make your way out of your seat and just come to the front. Let's just pray. You know what we're doing when we come to the altar and pray together? We are in fellowship in prayer. We are strengthening one another in prayer. This fellowship that we have, I want you to know there's power in that fellowship. That if we walk in the light as he's in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ, amen, if we walk in fellowship one with another, the blood comes down and forgives us. The blood comes down and washes us. I want to tell you there's forgiveness in fellowship. There's blessing in fellowship. There's good things in fellowship. Come on, would you find a place in this altar and pray? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Find somebody and pray with them, husband with wives. Amen. Brothers with brothers, sister with sisters. Find somebody. Come alongside them and begin to fellowship with prayer. Begin to fellowship. It's an intimate moment. You may not know what they've struggled with, but what you're saying is you've got a brother. You've got a sister that loves you. You've got a church that loves you. You've got a fellowship here that loves you. Hallelujah.